Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Will with Schedule Fly. Uh, first of all, just thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you're listening to this, we appreciate it. Um, we hope it's helping you, inspiring you, educating you, a little of both, and that these are fun to listen to. Uh, we certainly enjoy doing it a lot, and we always learn a lot, and we get inspired by our own customers. And by the way, that's the people we interview, of course, are all customers. Um, tens and tens of thousands of people, you know, we certainly could uh, potentially interview that might be one of me on this podcast, but we uh, are fortunate to have you know, north of 7,000 restaurants uh, in our customer base, and you know, there's there's more great stories to tell than we could ever tell. Uh, but every time we have an opportunity with somebody, uh, we really enjoy it, and we hope you do too. So this is with Hunter Wiggins. Hunter's 30 years old. He's down in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and he opened a, a cocktail lounge five months ago, and it is called Session Bar, and it's doing really, really, really well. Um, Hunter's been in the business for a long time. He started as a teenager. And he's been in hospitality other than the small stint uh, when he tried something different to check his temperature doing something else and realized right before very long at all that he, he wanted to keep doing hospitality. And this is his first place. It's his own. He's learned a lot over the years. And one of the things I really like about Hunter is that he's a sharp guy. You'll, you'll very easily be able to pick up on that. Uh, he's, I think, wise beyond, at least wise beyond, where I was at age 30. I'm 45 now. Uh, but he's also humble and gets the, he he understands the importance of humility and learning always. You can never stop learning. So he's got a good mix of, um, make, he's got a sharp mind. He's got a, a high energy personality. He's got a great plan for his business and he's always trying to learn. So he's sharing what he knows, but also he's listening to other podcasts and reading books and talking to people in the industry, always soaking up knowledge and learning what he can. So I really like Hunter a lot. I enjoyed speaking with him. Frankly, I could have, you know, we spoke for close to an hour. The only reason I had to wind it down uh, is because my battery on my phone was dying and I I didn't have a charger with me. So <laughs> anyway, it was a great conversation. I'm sure Hunter and I will talk again. Um, he's only five months in, so, you know, Six months, a year from now, we'll probably have another one, see how things are going then. But nevertheless, enjoy this. Thanks for listening. Hey, if you're on iTunes or whatever service you're on, if you could rate us, that'd be great. Any comments you could provide would be awesome. We'd appreciate it. If you got anything for us, uh, you're welcome to contact me directly. Um, My cell is 704-906-2031. Call me or text me or uh, send us a a note over to support at schedulefly.com and Uh, We all get that. Just anything you'd like to share or questions or whatever. Um, That's it. It's fun recording these things. I hope it's fun listening, like like I said. And we, all of us at ScheduleFly, appreciate it very much. Y'all have a good one. More coming soon. Enjoy this. See ya. We are live. What's up, everybody? This is Will with ScheduleFly. Um, very excited today to have Hunter Wiggins on the phone. Hunter is owner of Session Bar in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, home of the Crimson Tide. And uh, this is his. Well, this is your first place that you started and owned. Is that right, Hunter? Yes, this is my first business uh, that I've started. Okay, give me give us your background in the in the industry and how you got to where you are right now. All right, I uh, I started uh, car hopping at Sonic when I was uh, 
15 years old and that was my first real experience with tips um and kind of opening my eyes to the hospitality industry um, a lot of people don't um really think about it but you know you delivering those burgers and shakes at sonic and people give you a quarter here a quarter there well that was my first real um experience in the hospitality industry and kind of really enjoyed that really i've never been a uh, sit behind the desk kind of kid and so to be able to do something to make money with that was really engaging um very interactive uh, it's like playing a video you know it's like playing a game when you go to work every day uh, from there we i moved into waiting tables at this little chinese restaurant and is this all in tuscaloosa by the way so, or did you grow up in tuscaloosa or where where were you raised. i hear mm-hmm. you man okay all right so go ahead. Moved, moved back home to open up this project uh because you know if you're going to do something like this in this industry you might as well go to where all your roots are yeah um and i started my first bar experience was i started washing dishes at 19 years old for uh, a man named bill lloyd and will higgins here in tuscaloosa and that's kind of when i realized that you know i i wanted to in some capacity be involved in the hospitality industry for the rest of my life um it just you know i felt like the coolest kid on the planet being 19 years old hanging out with a bunch of bartenders till 3 a.m in the morning washing dishes you know probably 10 years younger than everybody else on staff and um kind of had my first real taste of the nightlife aspect of things Mm. Um, at this point had really just been focused on food and more restaurants and that was my first real taste of staying up late the bar atmosphere the, the everything that goes on with uh, the night culture and uh, really kind of gravitated towards it, really enjoyed selling, being around alcohol sales more than just strict restaurant sales and uh, kind of bounced around the country a little bit and um, waiting tables and bartending here and there and moved back to Tuscaloosa about two and a half years ago with a plan set in place to try and open up my own establishment uh, and this this whole concept evolved from being more of a pub to over the years um, to being more of a cocktail bar. And so that's what we came back to do. We, we knew there was kind of a, a void in the market of having a, a more of a cocktail bar in, in a college town. And that's what we set out to do. And it's been uh, five months since we've been open. And man, it's been a hell of a journey. It's been, everybody's been so receptive and uh, just to see people come out and support us has been really, really awesome to experience. I know that every entrepreneur listening to this knows that feeling. And man, it's pretty, you can't, it's priceless. It's kind of addictive, honestly. Yeah, it sure is, man. It sure is. I love it, dude. So you went, you bounced. Did you go to uh, school there or did you just, did no, you just. I did not. I, I took one class at a junior college when I was, yeah. uh, when I, when I graduated, I was a, a troubled youth. So when I, um, uh, when I graduated high school, I went to stay with my aunt in New York for a little bit. And then I had a cousin in Fort Collins, Colorado, and went and lived with him and was waiting tables the whole time and moved back to Tuscaloosa to, you know, go to college. And I took one, one class and I got a, a job bartending at a, a bar in town. And I just kind of sat down with my parents. I said, I don't want to go to college. I want to own a bar one day. And this was about 22. And they said, if that's what you want to do, then you have to have a legitimate plan set in place for how you're going to get there. And so we sat down with the right individuals that said, you know, this is realistically what you need to have to be a player. And we went all in and 
I said, you know, I can either go to college and get, you know, in debt and pay that off and then try to open up a bar, or I can just go all in on myself and save the money I would spend on college. And I can always use college as a fallback plan if, you know, after, if it's all said and done with, it doesn't work out. Amen, brother. uh, Man, I hope that you'll share this with your parents because this this episode, man, if only for the reason that thank you, mom and dad, like that's so awesome. I'm so glad to hear that story. I think it's so important that, you know, not everybody is cut out for college, needs to go to college. There's college limits you a lot for some people. I mean, if you need the, like, if you, like my daughter wants to be a vet, well, she needs college. She's got to go through the hard sciences and, you know, all good. But like my son, I got two boys, one's 15, one's 13, man, I, that dude, like he doesn't, you know, he may need to go to college, but he's got a lot of energy. He has a hard time paying attention. He's kind of like I was. And I look back, I'm like, Hey man, like he may not need it. And by the way, that that's a, that's, you nailed it, my friend, because the amount of money, like moms and dads, think about this, the amount of money you're going to spend on four years of your kid going to college. What if you took hell, even half of that money, <laughs> you know, and, and with their plan in place, help them start a business, right? So there, there's so many right. other, I mean, and you say a troubled youth. My guess is, man, you got a big engine and it was hard to keep you sitting behind a desk and sitting still and listening. And you, you're clearly a high energy guy with a lot of energy and creativity. And uh, look, man, like that's really, really necessary. And uh, we need that. Well, I mean, we need it badly in our society. We don't need everybody going through the same darn funnel and uh and I, I think it's awesome I think it's dude. a little a little you know it's, it's things change um one it's honestly let's be real here it's kind of unfair to look at 18 year old kid and say you need to decide what you want to do with the rest of your life exactly go to school for four years and when you come out at 22 you've made a decision hell at 18 years old i couldn't tell you what i wanted to eat that night so, me either my friend yeah you know um but it's you know and that's kind of going to what you were saying is you, you don't have to go to college, and that's kind of what we want to do is we want to show our employees and our staff members that, you know, we're, we're supportive if you work for us and you're in school. We are in a college town, but if you don't want to go to school, you don't have to go to college to make a great living and be successful in this industry. You don't yeah. have to own a bar. You don't have to be an owner. You don't have to be a manager. You just have to do what you are comfortable doing and doing it the best of your ability and make sure that we're giving you you we're we're giving you the right opportunities to be successful, whether it's from letting you talk with people to help manage your money correctly, get you set up on retirement, health insurance, and things like that. And we're a very new business. Those are things that we would like to really um, start doing as soon as we can kind of get our feet under us. But we want to, you know, when you have great employees, you want to keep them around. And if they're going to be, if they want to do this for the rest of their life, we want to be supportive and have them with us as long as possible. Man, I love that so much. Yeah, it's interesting because y'all are in a college town there. And shoot, I tell you what, college towns are it's an interesting dynamic because uh, you, I mean, you have a brand new set of customers rolling up on the set every every mm-hmm. year of course then you you know you have some that graduate and move on but um it, that's a it's an it's a it's a good dynamic particularly for something where you saw a need there for sort of a high-end cocktail bar um you knew your market you grew up there you knew it and um so here you are now talk about the where you're located it's are you did you buy the building are you leasing i'm assuming probably a lease where like did you so, have to do a yes, lot of construction we're, we're leasing. Okay. Um, 
you know that buying buying property in a downtown even in small cities is way outside the um the 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 capital that we were able to have but we're releasing a project and um it's right it's on university boulevard in downtown tuscaloosa right in the heart um anybody that's listening to this podcast and is familiar with tuscaloosa we're, we're right across the street from De Palma's, which is an, a staple italian cafe there's one in athens also mm. but um they're, they're two completely different restaurants i think they only share the same they came from athens to open in tuscaloosa but i think that's about as far as the extent of their connection um and we we were the first bar on University Boulevard. They put a moratorium um, on alcohol only establishments in the downtown area. When I guess it was about two thousand three, we got voted the number one party school in the country. <laughs> yeah. The university started going to the college area, the strip, and started buying a property to try and get bars off the strip because the uh, president or the dean or whoever it was who said, you know, we're not having this. We're not going to be a party school. So the city thought that bars were going to come downtown. And so, and, you know, rightfully so, they didn't want all the college bars just to be transplanted into downtown. So they put a moratorium that on University Boulevard, the main road running through downtown, you couldn't have an alcohol-only establishment. You had to sell food. Well, we... Right before we signed the lease on our project, they lifted that moratorium, which gave us the opportunity to put an alcohol-only establishment on the main drag in downtown Tuscaloosa. Oh, nice. nice yeah, it was man. very, very, just perfect timing, you know. Um, just very, very fortunate that we were ready, and we had all of our ducks in a row. We were able to jump at the opportunity whenever it came available. Oh, that's awesome. Very cool. Did you help, did you help shepherd that along? or I mean, did you, like, how did how did that happen? So it they they put an article on the the paper in the fall that said they were revisiting it, and so we kept our eyes and ears on it, and you know attended the the meetings and kind of just kept our pulse, kept a pulse on it to find out when they were going to do it, and when we felt confident that they were going to do it, we got the lease and kind of waited a little bit to see if they were still going to move forward with it. And luckily, we signed the lease, and a couple months later, they they moved forward with it, and we were able to begin, begin construction the following month. Awesome, man! Awesome, very cool. Well, just, just gotta gotta you know, there's I guess that's probably the more difficult things to getting everything ready is all the back end stuff, um, the 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 red tape, the legality, what you can and can't do mm. um, in in a city like this. Did you um? Okay, so. So you're sort of a higher end cocktail bar. Uh, is your audience the? I mean, you're not like this is different than what the the school was. Pro, you know, you're not going to have a city that or a school that's named biggest party school in the country if it's you know because of cocktail bars, nice high end cocktail bars. It, these this is not like a all night you know cheap ass beers party all night loud whatever. So different deal. Um, you've got lots of students there with resources with interest in play you've also got a lot of parents coming in i'm going to assume that would probably hang out in your place when they come in to see their kids which parents do more and more these days is that that's your audience that plus you know a, so building we, a good local we a, following we got a really oh sorry we got a really strong local crowd yeah uh people that live in the city of tuscaloosa yeah um and that you know the, the interesting thing is uh, and also you know we're a cocktail bar but we still we're we still want to have that bar feel to it so we we try to be 
we wanted to be nicer, but we also wanted to keep some casual aspects to it okay. because we didn't want people to, especially, you know, you, you're in a college town. Um, we're not fighting over 21 year old kids, but a lot of the grad students and things like that, we didn't want them to feel that it was only a, a date night spot. It was only, uh, you know, uh, an event kind of spot. Like you're only going to go here when there's something to celebrate. We still wanted your everyday drinkers. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, the funny thing is with being a college town is these kids, when I was 21, I didn't know what Verluth was. Right. You know, these kids are coming in at 22 years old, knowing the exact specs they want their martini. They're, you know, they're throwing classic cocktails out there because when they, a lot of these kids now from, from out of state, they're from Chicago, they're from New York, they're from LA, New Jersey, and they're used to going to cocktail bars back home with their parents. So mm. the, the younger kid. The younger generation is a lot more educated about what they want to drink than they were 10 years ago, 15 years ago in Tuscaloosa. And um, so we get a lot. And like you said, we a lot of parents come in town. We have these parents weekends. So we get a lot of parents whenever they come through and they're visiting their kids while the kids are at the college bars. They're joining us or bringing their kids out before and after dinner. Um, so it's, it's really a unique dynamic working and living in a college town because not only are you getting the four year students that are rotating through, you're getting a, you have the opportunity that a freshman comes and their mom and dad come. Well, you, if you make the right impression on the right person, you have a customer that's going to visit you three to five times a year for the next four years. And when you have 40,000 kids, you have the opportunity to really make an impact and have new customers coming in every single day you know it's i tell my bar staff I'm like you got the easiest sales job in the world because the leads come to you yeah, and right. if you get the proper service and you make the proper connection you have an opportunity to build a customer that's going to see you four to five times a year during the fall and the winter fall and the spring for the next four to five years depending on how long your kids in school well you know man uh i really love the fact that you're i mean you're you know what you articulated earlier is you really looking at this as not a stepping stone, which the industry has really been built on that for so many years. It's a between jobs. It's a stepping stone. It's a first job, but you really are trying to, and so many people in the industry, including us really want to see the industry move in the direction of this is a, this is a career and you don't have to, like you said, you don't have to be the owner. Um, talk a little bit more about that because you told me something before we started recording that I love and I've already forgotten the name of the damn video game but it was some game you used to play that you learned the value of financial management and saving man I think it was I think it's fascinating what, what was that thing called so when we were when me and my brother used to play this uh, game called Diablo 2 when we were in middle school and early high school and it's really what kind of taught me the uh, value of saving because it was the first kind of thing that we had to deal with the currency that you things were deemed currency and certain things were worth so much of it and yeah we I mean you bought video games and stuff as a kid but this is before we got real jobs and things like that and kind of taught you how to save and i think that's the one thing that um owning and being in this industry um money management um the you have so many people that don't know how to properly manage their money because they've never had those those skills taught to them. And if you if you learn that skill, you can, like we said, this can be a lifetime. 
you can do this for an extended period of time if you want to do it for 10 or 15 years. Um, and that's what we're, we're moving towards wanting to, you know, help, help our staff get set up on, you know, what they're bringing in, what they want to save for, what they're wanting to do, where, where's their five-year plan? Um, it doesn't have to be with us, but how are you going to get there? And how can we help you, whether it's you want to be an entrepreneur and you want to open up your own business, whether you want to save money to move to a new city, whether you want to purchase a new car and get a down payment for a house, how can we help you be successful? Because I feel it is our duty as your employer to put you in the opportunity to have the most success that you can have. And so that's kind of what we're working towards is the next step is, you know, really being um, conscientious about what you're bringing in and what's going out and helping you have not not for this to be a platform, but to show you that this can be a career. And as long as you're doing the right things the right way, you can really have a lot of success in this industry. Well, I, I'm, I'm very excited to hear you talking about that. And I'm very excited that you're you have that perspective and you have that vision because, you know, we all know if you if you get folks early and they're young and they don't know about this stuff and you teach them this, it doesn't take a ton. If you start at 23 years old, you know, put money aside uh, into it, like you said earlier, a Roth IRA or any kind of a savings vehicle that you're not going to mess with, that alone, I mean, just, you know, the compounding alone over the course of the next 30 or 40 years, you get such a big head start versus if you wait till you're, Oh man, I'm in my forties. I got kids and now I got to figure out how to start saving from retirement. Like, I mean, if you start then, you know, you're on almost easy street by the time you're in your fifties because of, you know, just the simple power of compounding for not that much money that you set aside every paycheck, you know, that you started when you were 23. It's an amazing thing, but most people don't know that they didn't play that game or they, they weren't some weirdo like me that was like obsessed with that early on and like loved reading about, you know, Warren Buffett and the power of investing and into all that stuff. Like most people aren't. But you have the ability to teach them that if you so choose as a business owner to help them learn that. And then uh, you're providing this incredibly, incredibly valuable, meaningful um, mechanism for them to have a, a, I mean, frankly, a better life, you know, for many, many years to come. Uh, and, and they probably, some might still have a stepping stone and maybe they're there for, for five years with you and they move along. But gosh, the ability to get folks, which such is such a growing industry hospitality there's 18 million people working in hospitality around the country if we could get all those folks to learn how to save a little bit of money man a lot of things good things could happen <laughs> you know 100 percent, and you know and that's it's a benefit from us also because if teaching you know like you said at 23 not a lot of people realize that that if you start you know and i told you this before we we got on recorded that um if i could the one thing that we tell our staff is if you're going to live paycheck to paycheck, the one thing that you should be putting saving every year is maxing out whatever you want to do for retirement, putting money into retirement, because whether you decide to do this, you go back to college, whatever you decide to do, having that money is going to be huge when you're 60 years old um, and how compounding interest works. I mean, it, 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 a little investment here in your early 20s is going to be a lot of money when you're in 59 and a half, 60, whenever you decide to cash it in. Um, and, you know, and if they're 
they're more likely when you provide benefits, when you provide opportunities, we would like to keep our staff members for three to five years. That's, that's the goal is if we can work to make sure that the majority of the people we have on staff are here for three to five years, constantly help train new people that come on. You have always, have a, a core group of people, one, two, three, because not everybody is going to be a lifetime bartender, and that's okay. Not everybody's going to be a lifetime hospitality industry. A lot of people are just going to come and go, but if we can identify and hold on to those A-class employees that are going to be here for an extended period of time to help make sure that when somebody exits, you have two or three people on staff that have, between the three of them could have nine to 15 years of experience behind the bar to help train everybody to make to streamline those situations. And we feel that if we can provide the proper benefits for them, that that'll make them less likely to um, look for other employment. Uh, couple that with, you know, making sure that they're getting the off time. That is the, the benefit of this industry is it's very flexible. If you want to go on vacation for a week, you know, if the schedule works out, it works out. And uh, so that's where we're just trying to to do what we can do to to maintain our continuity as a staff. And I mean, you know, you look at the use football terms here, you look at what's going on in Alabama right now. There's been a lot of staff turnover, not a lot of continuity, and it's hurt. And then you go and look at what Clemson's done with Dabo Sweeney. He's had continuity for 10 years and they're not slowing down because when you have so many people on staff that know exactly how you want things done, how to operate, it, and it just makes everything smoother and makes everything work better. And I mean, that's in any industry. Yeah, but, that's for sure. No um, doubt about it. So that's what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah, I love it, man. I think you've got a great plan in place and a great philosophy and, and uh, a really wise way of going about it, uh, for sure. A lot of people take a while to learn that, my friend. Like, you're 30 and this is your first place. A lot of people, and it, maybe it's because you, you know, you've been in the industry a while and you're self-aware and observant and, you know, it. it it takes a lot of people you know, when it's, years it's, of trial uh, and error and figuring things out to realize things, things like that. So that's really cool that you've got that figured out. I, early I on. appreciate it's that. It's a good you know, foundation. Uh, everybody has a philosophy and, you know, Danny Meyer has his enlightened hospitality and the Koch brothers have their science to success. But the one thing that all these philosophies have in common is when you have a class employees, retain them. And, yeah. That's what we're to, we we want to do things. We feel that if we want to retain these A class employees without growth, like a lot of these other industries, we can't just go out and say, okay, well, we're just going to decide to open up a new business. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we feel like we have to do certain things on the backside, whether it's retirement savings, health insurance, um, plenty of things to raise your quality of life to retain these people. And so that's kind of our, as we keep uh, growing as a company, that's going to be our main focus going into 2020. Man, that's really cool. Are you, um, so how many staff do you have? Did you say? I've got, excluding myself, I think that I have, let's see, and the door guys and the barbacks, I have 13 employees. 13 employees. Okay. So we are a small staff. Um, and it's, you know, so far we've only had, since we've been open, we've had one individual that's coming on. So I'm, I'm counting that as a win. I really expected when I opened up this project, if I could retain 50% of my initial hires, that I would be happy. And we're sitting at, you know, over a 90% retention rate right now. 
just, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of excited about that because I thought my life was going to be a lot harder uh, when it came to plugging and playing um, staff members over the last five months. What, so you bounced around for a while, you said, before you came back. Um, wh- who were some of the people you learned from that you admire or, uh, or that have been role models of yours? Clearly, you've, you've read uh, Danny Meyer stuff. I'm sure probably read setting the table or whatever so but how about people you worked for that you you learned you know, how to do things or even how how to not do things um which is sometimes what we learn so the the most important um thing that i've the the influence on me honestly has been my brother um i have an identical twin and um he's currently in his fourth year of medical school and that was probably the most important influence on me because as I was bouncing around and he was more stable, he gave me the insight to the encouragement to, you know, that you don't have to gauge your success against what somebody else is doing. Yes. You just have success is what makes you happy. And if that, if this makes you happy, do it. And if you can create a living off of it, then that's all you need to do. Um, as far as working in the restaurant industry, there's a, a rest, I've had a lot of help from a, a man named Craig Williams in Tuscaloosa. He owns two restaurants in town, the Avenue Pub in Central Mesa. And, you know, uh, I was a bartender. I, I knew a lot of the front of house things, but he was somebody that through this whole process that was able to sit down with me and really go over, you know, how to build the proper budget to get the bar open, the backside of things, bookkeeping, taxes, the things that you don't think about until you sit down and talk about like, oh, crap, I don't know any of this. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> um, and, you know, and just uh, as far as the, the most humbling experience I had and was probably the best thing for my restaurant experience is I worked at a bar and restaurant in Columbia, South Carolina called Taza Kitchen. Oh, and, in Columbia. Interesting. Was it down? Okay. Uh-huh. I, I mean, I'm in Charlotte. I was down in Five Points a couple weeks ago, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, I was. Uh, I lived in the Forest Acres area for a little bit. Well, you know, they're. Uh, I, I want to hear this, but you know, they're closing all the bars in Five Points. It's kind of. Are what, they? That's probably, probably dude, not a bad thing. <laughs> no, they're they're all closing down. They they passed some exactly what you were talking about. They they went eh, too much going on here. They you know you have to sell seventy percent of your revenue or more has to be uh, from food now. So there's like five or seven bars that have closed down recently. Uh, yeah, so I can, I can see that. Um, uh, yeah, I can live in there. I can totally see, see them doing that. Um, so, and I wasn't there long. I was only about 15 months. Um, and I actually got out of bartending for a little bit and started selling copiers. Um, kind of questioned whether or not the, the hospitality industry is what I wanted to do and did got out of bartending for a little bit and sold copiers for right under a year and I said hey there's no doubt what I want to do it's time for me to move back to Tuscaloosa and make what I want to happen happen nice nice well okay so you were saying you weren't there uh, and I, I cut you off so I apologize but oh, the, who was the restaurant there and who did you work for it's called, it was called Taza Kitchen in um, uh-huh. the Forest Acres area and you know, I kind of came in and I've been bartending for a long time never didn't work in restaurants you know that this point was I have about seven years bartending under my belt but it's all late night, no food, because in Tuscaloosa, you don't have to serve food. So I'm just used to making drinks. That's it. And probably the most humbling experience was working there, having to do everything, make drinks for servers, take orders, do to go, 
run the POS, work bar customers. And that's kind of when I said, you know, that was a very humbling experience for me because it kind of knocked me down a couple pegs and said, you know, you're not, you're probably not as good at this thing as you think you are. And that really kind of re-energized me to when I got out of bartending for a little bit to kind of remember that, that, um, it's, you have to stay grounded and level because the, this, this industry is tough. And if you don't keep a level head with you, you're going to get knocked down some pegs and you, you can't have that when you're trying to, um, trying to create something and trying to do something the right way. Good. It happened when it did, man. Good that you were self-aware and observant too. I mean, those things can, uh, can be tough when we're going through them or, you know, these humbling experiences, but they're always just growth opportunities that make us better. Um, so great that you learned that. It was a great, great growing opportunity. And, you know, to get out of your comfort zone and do something that you're not, just not used to doing is working a restaurant bar. And I, I'll give, I'll go ahead and tell everybody that listens to this, that works in a restaurant bar, a place that does food. You guys, y'all are, y'all are rock stars because if you can run a restaurant, bar and you can make drinks for customers servers take food orders bus tape do it all i mean all all my bartenders do is we just sit behind a bar and make drinks as they come across the bar that's it so i told my host tell my bar staff so you guys got it made you don't even wash dishes you got a bar back that does everything for you all literally all you do is stand back here and make drinks so um sometimes i i I tell them i'm like you know one of these days i'm just gonna take the bar back away and make you do it all to realize how (laughs) How lucky they how are. easy you got it. And that's, I think that's another important thing I joke with. And they all bar back for me. Everybody knows every role on staff. They know how important everybody's role is. Without our bar backs, we couldn't do what we do because they're, I mean, they're the, the cog that keeps everything turning. Um, if they're not doing their job correctly, you're running out of your, your mixers. You're running out of your spirits. You're running out of your ice. You're running out of your garnishes. And they're the ones that make sure that you're set up for success to make the money that we need to make as a business and the tips that you guys need to make. Love that, man. Yeah, for sure. No, it is. It is. It's it's amazing to be able to do all that stuff. That's why I love doing this. I'm always fascinated. I can't even imagine doing even what y'all do. It's just, I mean, there's, there's so many moving parts and so many, you know, metaphorical fires you got to put out constantly. And I mean, it's just amazing to be able to pull that all together and, and, you know, create this thing that, that sings uh and you know it it's it's really cool and it takes a certain type takes a certain mentality a certain personality um you got to be able to just weather a lot of little storms and keep rolling and stay optimistic and when you do and you can you get it right man it's a great business but you know it's also a really tough business and i think that's sort of the one of the things part of why we also like doing this podcast is we want people to hear the what it's really like right because there's a lot of people that go oh man looks cool you know owners down there but hanging out that's right my favorite thing is oh man you must you know it, you get to serve drinks to people and you know they don't realize the the ins and outs of it of that there's so many moving pieces and <sighs> everybody and i think that that's um most people look at it as though it's just a party you're selling booze late night but it's a job it's a profession and if you don't come to work with your your a game the you let your team down and when you let your team down you know everything kind of starts to flounder a little bit um mm-hmm. you're not not pushing the drinks out like you're supposed to you're stressing your your coworkers out you know it's you're, you're a bunch of little frogs on lily pads and when you don't don't bring your frog 
bring your A game that somebody throws a big old rock in the water and it, it shakes the lily pads and you can't do that to your coworkers and your teammates. Oh, um, yeah, man. I like that. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you, um, let me ask you this. So you mentioned Danny Meyer. Uh, have you, do you have other, I mean, gosh, I can't tell you how many people have mentioned him, by the way. I'd love to get him on here well, one day. I think day that anybody that's between the ages of 25 and 40 in this industry, if they haven't read Setting the Table, they need to. Yeah. And it's probably one of the, that and that book, and I really enjoyed the uh, Science of Success by the Koch brothers. That was another one that I yeah you I mentioned really them earlier. That was the, yeah okay. The, there's another one called The Inner Game of Tennis. Oh, dude, that's an um, incredible book. It's a it's a fantastic book because you know, bartending is a lot like being on a sports team. It's you got to play the next play. You're going to screw up. You're not always going to give the best service. You're not always going to make the right impression and you can't let little things bog you down because it compounds. And so that's a great book for, for bartenders to read. Um, The inner game of tennis. Holy cow. That's amazing. Kobe Bryant missed Kobe Bryant missed more game winning shots than he made, you know? Yes. But he never let it get it down. And every time that shot came up, he wanted the ball. So, um, they're, they're read. You got to find little bits of inspiration in this industry. How did you find that book in particular? I think it's a fantastic book to read. How did you get turned on to that? I've read that too, but it's such a random, it's like an old book. It was written. And then people are like, Mm -hmm. tennis, I don't play tennis. I was like, no, 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 no. I mean, you don't need to play tennis. But, you know, it was written like 30 years ago or something, or Mm -hmm. it's been a while. So I got turned on to that because I played basketball in high school and the, our high school coach um, talked about it because Pete Carroll from USC made all of his players read it during those 2004, 2005. I think he made it read it the 2005 year when they were going for the repeat. And so he made all them read it. And so that's kind of how he turned on, you know, kind of like a lot of people back then, they, whenever, if you were coaching high school athletics, you probably referenced Pete Carroll a lot because he was the modern day dynasty in sports. Yeah. Just like, you know, if any, I'm not in high school, obviously, but I have to assume that any high school coach across the country right now is probably referencing what Dabo Sweeney or Nick Saban does in, in sports saying, you, you know, trying to, to get people to buy in and, you know, you want to emulate success and, Mm -hmm. you know, so that's kind of how we got turned on to it. And I kind of took that reading and, you know, I I think that's why I've kind of gravitated to hospitality industries because it's always, every shift's like a sports game. It's, it's like playing basketball or football and you're trying to do the best you can to win. And, um, luckily by winning, you make more money. So that's kind of all, all the way I've looked at it my entire life. Yeah. And you may not be perfect along the way, but you learn from it and you get better each, each shift and, uh, you grow and you, you, um, uh, dude, I, man, what a, I love it, man. I can't believe you read That's awesome. Yeah. Read that book. Mm-hmm. It's bad. Definitely read setting the table. My goodness. If you're in hospitality, read that book. Um, if you gotta, gotta, gotta read that one, care about uh, the industry. Yeah. So that's kind of where, where I have a, a girl on staff right now. I just let her borrow it. She's, she's probably not going to do, um, do a hospitality dress for life. It's a good book to read just in, in business in general. Um, oh, it's a great book uh, to read. I said, t- you need to read it. It's, it's got some really good little tidbits in there that you're really going to enjoy. I think that hospitality is, you know, it's a fascinating thing now because I think you're, you you nailed it, Hunter, because you don't need to even 
possibly ever work in hospitality to appreciate and get value from Danny Myers, but because look, the bar now in business in general, everywhere is very low. It's very low for customer service. It's very low for hospitality. It's very low for how we treat our customers. So if if you just take the inspiration from that of making people feel good about doing business with your company, about being your customer, and you make them feel warm about that in some way, it it will blow them away because the bar is so low right now and because we have such negative experiences with so many businesses that we interact with in general, not just hospitality. In fact, hospitality is probably where we typically have the best experiences by and large throughout our day. So many businesses now have gotten away from just providing good, warm, genuine, non-scripted, meaningful, thoughtful, intentional service and hospitality. And those lessons that you would learn from Danny in his book uh, and the other books you're talking about would apply anywhere, any industry, uh, without question. And, I, and I, I agree with that 100%. And, you know, it's it's just the the little things. And I, we, we kind of, you know, when we get ready to open up a shift, I kind of remind everybody on staff, it's not a, we want our product to be consistent. We want to have a great product, but it's less about the product and more about who's giving the product across the bar. 100%. So we're, we're providing a product that, we, we take a lot of pride in, but if you don't do your job to make connections, to make people feel connected to the bar, to you, then they're not going to come back to see you. Because as good as that product is, you know, the, the, the person serving it is more important than what's in the glass. And I think that if you think otherwise, I think that um, that's when you're going to start slipping, when you, when you value what's in the glass more than who's giving it to you. Um, I know lots of very successful individuals that um, people always want to buy something from somebody they like, and that's in every industry and people are willing to spend Amen. a little more money yep. or they're willing to take a little less quality yep. if it's coming from somebody that they genuinely enjoy and they want to support. Man, you nailed it, brother. You nailed it. There's no doubt about it. And particularly now, I mean, the more we're, dialed into our screens and there's all these you know everything's just kind of like bifurcated between like i hate this i hate that and there's all this you know god the, you roll up on the set to a restaurant or you roll up in the set to a cocktail bar and you got some nice person who's present and you know genuinely cares about you know what's going on with you boy man like i'll buy that any day without question i don't care what's in the glass <laughs> Hey, I mean, I'll just, I don't even have to drink it. Just, you know, just give me good hospitality. I'll pay for that. I mean, it's, it's amazing. But, um, do you, um, by the way, so you're clearly well read and you're well, and you're very thoughtful and intentional with your plan and your business and your philosophies. Do you also like, where else do you consume stuff? Do you listen to podcasts yourself or, um, do you like, where else do you, do you learn from people other than your mentors and things you've read? You know, uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate in today's age, we have YouTube, yeah. um, and you can really get on and yes. really what I try to do every morning when I'm drinking my coffee, I try to watch 15 to 20 minute segments of different um, seminars, uh, listen to podcasts, um, things that I think are going to help me improve my business, read, read, you know, garden, I'm a I'm a gardening gun subscriber, so yeah. read Garden and Gun, 
uh, imbibe, punch, drink, whatever I think mm-hmm. might give me the opportunity to pull a little bit of information off to, to help me out. Um, I think that the YouTube's probably the greatest thing because it gives you the opportunity to listen to people like Danny Meyer yeah. speak, and you can listen to them and listen to stories, and um, gives you the opportunity to, to you know any of these seminar cocktail seminars or restaurant and hospitality seminars, give you the opportunity to listen to people um, that you might not, you didn't have the resources to to hear them twenty years ago. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest advantage in our industry is and also if you're you're making cocktails you can listen to the right people and make sure that they're you're being consistent with the information you're putting out i listen to trying to think of who it was but she she said that the one thing that she her biggest worry in the cocktail industry is that people are going to be giving the wrong information out there and i think that it's very important that everybody's consistent with what we're telling people Mm. so we're educating we're all educating the same customer base the same way so when they walk into a bar in my bar and then they go into said bar in chicago we're all saying the same thing and we're all educating the same customer base the same way i thought that was a really unique thought about it just kind of making sure everybody was on the same page on the 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 definitions of things where things are coming from your how where these cocktails originated how you're making them and things like that love it man that's fantastic yeah youtube's amazing all that stuff is just democratizing knowledge and information it's right there sitting at your fingertips i tell my kids that i'm like hey man like you know they play Fortnite and stuff like that which is cool but i'm like by the way you know right there in your hand is like anything you want to know or learn like you know it's right there. Mm-hmm. Like they'll ask questions right. sometimes. Gotta, what about gotta, this? I'm like, I don't know. Look it up. <laughs> everywhere. You can, whatever you want to know, you can figure it out. And of course, you know, you need to sift through some things here and there. But I, I love the, like I said, being able to wake up in the mornings and just whoever I, I'm following that day, be able to turn on, on the TV and put on YouTube and listen to a two hour long seminar and listen to 30 minutes a day, 30 minutes tomorrow, 30 minutes the next day and pick up little things. And it's fresh as you're going to work and Mm. you can kind of have things that you want to highlight. So I I think it's great. I think that, like I said, I think that YouTube and being able to have all these sources so easily um, uh, reachable has been a huge thing for, I mean, I assume, you know, I have no restaurant background, but I assume it's for everybody in the hospitality industry. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Do you, um, Hey, you listen to some podcasts too and stuff, you know, and either through YouTube or podcasts, have you ever heard of this guy, Jocko Willink, former Navy SEAL? No, I have not. I'll send you a link, man. He's got this, uh, he's a former Navy SEAL and he does a lot of, uh, coaching and training in the business world now. And, um, but there's this like little three minute segment. It came off of one of his podcast episodes, but it's uh, a little three minute segment on YouTube. I call it the Best three minutes on YouTube. I love it. Yeah, send me that. I'd love, to, I'd love to listen to it before I go to work. He talks about, it's basically he just says how his philosophy was always as a SEAL commander was take every single problem that was presented to him and his answer was like, they'd be like, hey, Jocko, we got this big problem. We got to, his answer was always good. And he would take the problem and flip it on its head and, and be like, okay, well, this, this bad thing's happening. Good. Here's how we're going to benefit from that. Man, it is just freaking awesome like i could watch it i mean i've watched it a lot of times i could watch it every single day and never tire of it because it's it's a mentality right it's a way of going okay well it's taking the build outs taking 
three months longer than we expected it was going to. Okay, good. And we have more time to, you know, prepare ourselves so that when we open, it's, you know, it can be great. Whatever it is, it's a great mentality, whatever you're doing. If it's building a business, if it's showing up at work and serving customers, anything like that. So anyway, I'll send you that link, but I, I love that's that right. thing. And I it's freaking uh, awesome. You know, and that's, I think that you, you hit the nail on the head is that you can't, in this industry, you can't, that the only certainty about the hospitality industry is there is uncertainty. That's yes. it. You, that's right. and nothing, every shift, something's going to go wrong. Yes. Every, every project, something's going to go wrong. And it's all about how you handle it, how you, that's right. you know, we, we talk about, there's a, um, you know, I, I pull a lot of stuff from sports coaches because at the end of the day, I feel that uh, owners and managers of restaurants are kind of, you're a coach, you're coaching a team and you have to be able to, make sure that you're inspiring your guys and girls to be able to, nobody wants to come work for somebody that's not inspiring. That doesn't, they don't believe in when you, when you're, when you show up to work every day, you need everybody to believe that the direction of the business is going and it's going in the right direction. That's and, right. Um, there's a guy named PJ Fleck that's a head coach at Minnesota and he has this whole row the boat mentality. So go go Google that and listen to him speak a little bit about it and about overcoming adversity and, you know, obstacles and um, how you just have to roll over them. Uh, it's pretty it's, it's good stuff. He, he came up with it when his, I believe it is his second son uh, died at a young age. Mm. And that's kind of how he came up with his whole mentality. Um, On it directly, man. I love it. Um, love that. Uh, Hunt. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the time. Uh, you taking the time to do this, man. You're an interesting dude. You're just, I learned a lot from you. Appreciate the business. Um, and just appreciate the opportunity to catch up. And uh, anytime we can, you know, hook you up with anybody. And hopefully, by the way, we'll get, I'm going to get dialed in an SFA. So maybe I'll see you down in Birmingham this March. But, um, and I know a bunch of folks that'll be there too. You know, maybe we can introduce each other around and stuff but dude i appreciate this a lot and good luck and uh you know where i'm at if you need anything anytime my friend no thank, thank you for allowing me to, to come on here you know i've got a i think that i still have a, a ton to learn i still have a, a long way to go but i like the direction we're heading in um i hope to see you at the sfa i think i'm really excited about that i think that kind of one of the times we talked i said you know i Everything we're doing is kind of self self taught, and I'm, I would like the to have the opportunity to meet some more people that possibly can help me tweak the way I'm doing things to make our operation better. Because at the end of the day, I just want to have the most success for myself and my staff. And I think that in order to do that, you have to be humble and knowing that there's a lot of people out there that can teach you and help you along the way. Yep. And you know, I'm being 30 years old. There's a ton I have to learn. And, uh, I think that's a, uh, a lot of people think that they know more than they do and it ends up being their undoing. Agree. And we don't want that to happen to us. We want to anybody that listens to this podcast or meets me in person and we have a conversation. Um, if they have a, a way that they think they can help me better manage my time, my business and my staff and help our, our company move in a better direction, you have to be open to hearing these people and seeing if you can't implement other philosophies and other ideas. You know, it's uh, we're all a, I look at it as we're all a family here and the better everybody does, it's better for the industry. Yes, uh, that's sir. Kind of the mentality that I have. You got it, man. Rising tide lifts all boats. 
Um, all right, brother. We'll appreciate it very, very much. And we'll talk again soon. No, thank you very much, Will. And uh, looking forward to seeing you in Birmingham, all right? All right, man. That's it, y'all. That's a wrap. More coming soon. See y'all. Bye.